It's time for the Predator Way Podcast. The show starts now. Yes, sir. podcast on penalty box radio i am your host boyd farish and on this episode i will look into the continued inconsistency of the nashville predators during the 22-23 season including the most concerning statistics and who bears the most responsibility then after the break i'll take a look at how this proceeds and the pressure on the coaching staff to push the right buttons finally i'll take a look at the couple weeks ahead for the west coast road trip and what opportunity that brings for the nashville predators going forward so what is happening with the Nashville Predators? Currently, they stand with a 3-5-1 record, which is 6th in the Central Division. And since starting off the season in the NHL Global Series, the Predators have compiled a stunning 1-5-1 record, which is really not what anybody expected to see after all of the positivity of the preseason and the first two games against San Jose. Within those games, I think one of the biggest issues that we've seen is they continue to give up multiple just momentum killer goals, especially goals that are right about at the end of a period. I think they've already done that four or five times this season, and it just continues to put the team in a bad place. It puts them an extra goal down, and it kills any momentum they might have had been building in that game. And looking a little bit deeper, going through natural stat trick, there's really a few concerning statistics that highlight where things are at this point. Overall, the Predators have a negative seven goal differential, which for the offensive talent that they have and the goaltending talent that they have, that's really surprising that even with a sub 500 record that they'd be that far off of an even goal differential. And looking even a little bit farther, since returning from Europe, at 5-on-5, five five, the Predators are 18th in scoring chances and high danger chances per 60 minutes, 14th in high danger chance percentage, and really a lot of that is buoyed by the fact that they haven't given up a whole lot. They're also 22nd in 5-on-5 five five save percentage. I think that's an issue that perhaps has gone unnoticed a little bit, that they really aren't getting the saves, especially from UC Saros, that they're used to getting. And finally, and probably the most troubling of all, since returning from Europe at 5-on-5, the Predators are 31st in shooting percentage. This was a team that finished at an elite level last season. Not surprising given the goal totals from really across the lineup, but that has been a complete reversal so far this season. And even with some expected regression built in, the goals just haven't been coming, and they really haven't been finishing at all, highlighted also by the fact that their power play is 30th overall, which is tremendously troubling, again, for a team that was very good with the man advantage last season. And then looking at team performance across periods, the Predators have scored only five first-period goals all season, which is tied for 29th. They've only scored six third-period goals, also tied for 29th. And in those same third periods, they've given up 12 third period goals, which is the fifth most in the league. 
So you're really looking at a team that is not starting particularly well and is really not finishing well at all to close out games. So to kind of summarize the main issues, and there's a few of them, they're losing focus and execution, which are just leading to crushing goals. They're not generating offense at a high level, which was a big problem going back to last season. And the expectation was with the addition of Nino Niederreiter and the expected growth from Philip Tomasino, as well as Cody Glass, that some of that offensive volume would be more prevalent. And so far this season, they haven't been bad, but they really haven't been a whole lot better. So combined with not finishing very well and not scoring those goals, they're once again, as we saw at the end of last season and into the playoffs, when they're not finishing, they're not creating enough chances to make up for it. And then finally, it's slow starts. They're often trailing, oftentimes early in the game, within the first couple of minutes, and bad finishes. They've blown multiple, multiple goal leads. And just holding serve on a couple of those games, and they would be at least at 500. And the outlook on the team would probably be a little bit different right now. So where does the responsibility fall for how the season has started? For me, barring something egregious from the coaching staff, like just absolute lineup malpractice, I'm a person who's going to look to the players first. They're the ones on the ice. They're the ones getting paid to play and produce. And they need to be able to produce, regardless of who is behind the bench or in the front office. That's their job. And the team that is on the ice for the Predators is talented enough to win most nights. So staying with the players, it really starts at the top of the lineup. And really what it is highlighted is Forsberg, Duchesne, and Yossi, who have combined for five goals in nine games. And quite honestly, that's just not good enough. These are three players who put up career seasons produced tremendously last season. And again, some regression was expected, but this is just a slump. They're just not getting it done right now. And while you would expect the shooting percentages, 6.5%, 9%, and 2% respectively, will come up, they are too talented to stay at that level all season, but they really have to start making the plays and just having the finish to their game to get some of these things to go through. The one that might be surprising to a lot of people is UC Saros. So far this season, he has a 2.75 goals against and a 9.10 save percentage. Again, it's just not good enough. He's let in some cheap goals that I'm sure he would want back where he didn't cover the post tight enough or someone was able to get over his shoulder, you know, saves that he typically makes. And over the course of the season, that will probably even out. He'll probably handle some of those shots going forward. I would expect, like with Yossi, Forsberg, and Duchesne, that he will be better. But so far to the start of the season, he has not been good enough. And then somebody has to claim that final spot in the top six and actually produce. Whether it's Tolvanen, Glass, or Tomasino, when he eventually comes back up, someone has to get there and make that line productive. Johansson and Niederreiter have combined for seven goals on the season. Not mind-blowing, but there is production there. So there really needs to be that third person coming into that line and taking that spot alongside them and making it productive. The Predators will not survive another season where their second line doesn't produce throughout the year. So 
while I do start with the players, and especially early in the season, I put far more of the responsibility on them over the coaching staff or the front office, there is some responsibility to be borne among the coaching staff for making or not making some lineup adjustments at the right time. While the addition of Ryan McDonough was understandably going to take some time for him to gel into the lineup, it was pretty clear after four or five games that the pairing of him with Matias Hekholm just was not working. And it should not have taken until Mark Borowiecki's injury for the coaching staff to split them up, put them on different pairings, and move them both back to their natural left side. And truth be told, the last couple games that they've been split up, I think they've both looked better. I think Ryan McDonough has looked much more comfortable on his natural side and playing with a different partner than Matias Eckel. Could they come back later in the year and serve as that lockdown pair? Situationally, certainly. But I do think having them split up was the right choice. It just took two or three games longer than it should have to get there. And then I touched on this a little bit earlier, but it's the rotating top six. Kiefer Sherwood got a game and a half. Tolvanen got roughly four games. I think Zach Sanford got one game. Cody Glass got parts of two games. And in both instances was either taken basically off the ice altogether or pushed back down to a fourth line role. Don't get me wrong, none of those players have produced with any consistency of yet, but the hook has been really quick in that spot. And while I don't think John Hines needs to go full Luke Cunning and give somebody 80% of the season in the top six when they're not producing, especially the younger players may need a little more time to find their footing playing those bigger minutes before they get pulled back down either to a bottom six role or in the case of Ellie Tolvanen, really out of the lineup altogether. So after the break, I'll take a look ahead at how the Predators get back on track and the opportunity that they have ahead over the next two weeks. Welcome back to the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. And in the first segment, I really spent time breaking down the ways in which the start of the season for the Nashville Predators has kind of gone awry and some of the signs of possibly a little bit of hope of just unsustainably bad performance. So the next question really becomes, how do they pull out of it? And just like I said, I put more of the responsibility on the players for when the production has not been there. I say the same for how they get out of it. The players need to step up their game, obviously and especially at the top of the lineup. They simply have not been good enough, and this cannot be another Preds team where the tail wags the dog. The best players need to drive the bus, and sorry for mixing my metaphors there, but the best players have to be the best players, and that has to be most nights, if not almost every night. The workhorses and the grinders of the team cannot be what drives this team going forward. Along with that, there is a good bit of pressure now on the coaching staff. A lot of progress individually was made last season with John Hines and the coaching staff connecting with certain players and really pulling their best out of them or the best that we've seen to date. Now that there's been this regression, the pressure to take a team that's really built to play one way, and that's physical, high-pressure, 
defending your own net and attacking the opposition into the hard areas, the coaching staff really has to work to get the team back to that game consistently. They need to reinforce the identity and really get the players back to what they do. It's not an effort thing exactly, but there is a mentality and a drive that in some of these games just hasn't really looked like it's been there. Too many games, the Predators are getting buried in the first period, getting overwhelmed with shots, trailing on their goals. They're not having any possession. And as a result, they're trying to pick their game up in flight going into the second period. And by the time they've done that, they may not have even gotten back on the scoreboard. And now the third period is there and they just don't have anything left. So they have to start better and have a better level of focus and execution at the beginning of games. And really, you just have to look at the St. Louis game, which was an almost perfect encapsulation of the identity, with a little sprinkling of how bad this season has started. They gave up a goal early, within the first, I think, minute and a half of the game. But then you could see, as the period went on, the pressure from the Predators and the possession and the physicality just picked up and picked up and picked up. They were getting to the net front. They started burying chances off rebounds. All of a sudden, you could see that style of when the Predators are going right, that's how they can really win a lot of games. But it takes a really focused and driven effort from across the lineup. And they're going to have to bring that every night because now they've put themselves in a hole where they can't really take a lot of nights off anymore. Yes, it's still early in the season, but they now have to get in front of a whole bunch of teams to get back into the playoff race. And then probably the broader question in terms of how the season changes or how the season evolves, is can the front office be ready to make a bigger change if it's just not working? So as sort of a side example in a sort of an an eerily similar situation, one of the biggest criticisms right now of Toronto, also a good team, struggling to get going, scuffling a bit in the standings, losing games they should be winning, is that a talented core that's been together for a number of years hasn't been able to reach a next level of success while the front office and the coaching staff has really stuck with the core, stuck with the group. Sound familiar? And there's a lot of grumbling there that maybe something does need to be done. Maybe one of their core players does need to be moved. And hard to see how that will actually proceed because most of their changes over recent years have been around the edges, but maybe it's possible that team just doesn't have it. It's possible we may be reaching the same place with the Nashville Predators. Given some of the changes they did make this offseason and the players that David Poyle brought in, I don't believe we're quite at that place yet of needing to make a bigger move or more of a transformational change. But in the weeks ahead, getting closer to Thanksgiving, and that's one of those kind of lines in the sand for the season of that teams that are not in a playoff spot as of Thanksgiving here in the United States have a really hard time getting back into a playoff position with any consistency. If we're sort of seeing the same inconsistent play, not really producing, not getting the whole team going on a given night, then there may be a need for more of a shakeup, whether that's a change in the coaching staff or whether that's going and looking for a trade as some of these teams start to make their players available, especially those that are looking to improve their draft position. So I do believe the Predators can still pull themselves out of it. Again, they're shooting unsustainably low. The talent on the power play, they've been creating chances and just not finishing. I don't expect that to stay that low for the course of an entire season. 
but the inconsistent offensive production in terms of possessions and shot share is concerning because that is a problem going all the way back to last season. The changes made in the lineup and on the roster haven't really impacted that very much so far this season. So looking ahead, over the next 10 days, the Predators will go on a West Coast swing where they will play five teams. Four of them are ahead of the Predators in the standings. Historically, the West Coast swing has often been sort of a get-right trip, a bonding trip, where the players sort of have an opportunity to come together and you start to see them build that camaraderie and build that momentum. And that might be especially what this team needs, given they had a shorter training camp. So there is some real opportunity there. However, facing Edmonton, Calgary, and Colorado in one trip and hoping to get much success out of it is a pretty daunting task. When I look at the upcoming road trip, if the Predators can get wins in at least three of the five games, so the other two are Seattle and Vancouver, Seattle maybe punching above its weight a little bit, but not a very good team, and Vancouver off to a very rough start to the season. If the Predators can pick up three wins across those five games, it will probably go a long way toward actually building some momentum as well as making up a little ground in the standings with teams that are almost all in front of them. So that will do it for this episode of the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. As always, I am your host, Boyd Farish. You can find me on Twitter at Boyd underscore 1212 and my written work on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and be well.